The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love Welcome everyone, this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast brought to you by New Vision and Port Fan Radio. You're listening to us live here on Port Fan Radio. Uh, I am your host, Mac 19, and joining us, as always, is Fishing Rick. Or maybe not. Is he there? I just want, I just want a dead air just to freak you out. Oh, okay. Good work. Mate, that's, uh, how that's you great. Go? Good, buddy. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Had a good I just week? thought I'd do something random. I had an awesome week. What about you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. It's been uh, pretty chilled, yeah. so... Uh, yeah, back to work tomorrow, so uh, yeah, away we go. That's just outrageous. That's almost like uh, blasphemy, saying mm. that. Mm. And here's some more blasphemy. Macca, are you going to be watching the game live on Saturday? No, I won't be because I'll be working. That is outrageous. It is outrageous, mate. It's probably, outside of weddings, it's, it would be the first game I haven't uh, watched live since probably about uh, 2009, I reckon. What is going on in the world? I, I think uh, all Port Adelaide fans are just going to be very, very disappointed in, in what's going on here. It just doesn't seem right. Well, that's it. I mean, you're moving to America. I'm working weekend, so... What are you talking yeah. about, moving, moving to America? That's not true. That's not true, no. No. You're moving no. to other parts of Australia, so there we go. I'm just moving everywhere. I'm off to Bali in a couple of weeks. Bali? Yeah. Crazy. Just Have don't bring your booty, boogie board bag, mate. You'll be fine. <laughs> really? Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll try and stay away from that one. <laughs> That's it. Right, let's get straight into it here. Um, we'll start off with the questions. We'll uh, change things up a bit and go with the big footy questions from the forum. Um so what we will do is, uh, the first question is from Dylan8, because uh, there was a bit of a chatter on, uh, on the Big 40 forum um, about uh, Jim Carrey and his best films and The Cable Guy, whether it's any good or not. Uh, so his question is, uh, is The Cable Guy even a top five Jim Carrey film? Oh, well, that's a very, very serious question for our um, football program. And I did a bit of reflection and, uh, well... I had Yes Man up there. Yeah. I, I thought Yes Man um, was a really, really good email, uh, movie. Um, I really? had uh, Yes Man. I did. Yes Man. Didn't you think it was and, just a complete rip-off of his other film, Liar Liar? Well, I was going to say, I like Liar Liar as well. So, uh, and, uh, but no, I thought Yes Man was pretty good. And yeah. I also, obviously, his uh, Ace Ventura, which catapulted him... Uh, to uh, to stardom has to be up there, and yep. um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Is it Dumb was Dumb. he the ori- no br- well, original Bruce Almighty? Uh, yep. Yeah, I thought that was a good movie. Dumb and Dumber and Cable Guy. Okay. Yep. Fair I wasn't enough. a big fan of The Grinch. Uh, it was okay. It was okay. My top five yeah. would be uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's number I, one by mile. Yeah, you know, I only watched that the other night. It's awesome. It's oh, it probably is my favourite film ever. I would really? Say. Yeah, it's either first or second. It's, yeah. it's that good. If you 
If you're going to compare comedians, Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, have you seen Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love? Uh, I try and... Yeah, I don't know. I got over Adam Sandler about 10 years ago. Well, watch if you like that Eternal Sunshine, watch Punch Drunk, Drunk Love. That's a really good movie too. Okay, fair enough. Then I'd have uh, Dumb and Dumber Second. That's an all-time classic. Ace Ventura, number three. Then Cable Guy for me. And then uh, Me, Myself and Irene, which I reckon is pretty bloody good as well. <sighs> Yeah, that's a good movie too. He's been in a lot of good movies. And that's actually the, like Ace Ventura 2 was really good, as was Liar Liar. Yeah. Like, he's been in so many good films. He's a, he's and a legend. Just to, to hijack off of Jim Carrey with the Saturday Night Live theme, what about, uh, did you ever watch Night at the Roxbury? Yes. That was an awesome movie. That was not too bad. That was the only uh, decent thing that, um, that Tall Bugger's ever done. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the only know, decent yeah. movie he's ever been in. What about Blades of Glory? That was pretty nah. good. Nah. And Step Brothers, Boats nah. and Hose. Come on. Nah. Nah, he's done a couple. Blades of Glory and Boats and Hose was... Uh, Step Brothers were pretty good too. That, maybe that could be a question for next week. Maybe, maybe. Next question is Teak from T-Crate, uh, one of the new mods. Um, how do you think Sam Pell Pepper will go against the big bodies of the Swans midfield? And uh, can you think of a more highly anticipated debut for Port than his? Um, I don't like this question. This is actually a football question. What's it going is. on here? Right. This is now. now this is a serious. football podcast, mate. Is it? Oh, I thought it was just a random bullshit chit chat podcast with a bit of football in there. Um, so, uh, what was the question? Sam Pell Pepper. How will he go? How will he go against the big bodies at the Swans midfield? Well, you think he would? Um, you think he would go okay? Don't you reckon? I reckon he'd go okay. I think he'll. Hopefully, he'll uh, hold his own. I mean, it's it's a bit of a blaze of glory for him, a baptism of fire, whatever. Um, you know, you're not going to get a more tougher midfield than uh, Sydney's in terms of uh, sort of strength and size and and just girth and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, you know, I think he'll fit in pretty well. Whether he's going to play all right against that sort of midfield, or whether he will even get that many midfield minutes, I'm 100 percent sure. Do you think? Um, what are well, you doing? Just got this, I don't know. I just got this random noise. Oh, you know what it is? It's Big Footy with a pop-up ad. Ah, get get um, rid of Big Footy, man. Yeah, I've just well, that's where I get all my good facts from. Big Footy. Um, well, I don't. Know, I the only thing I'd be concerned with is. He might go over physical and potentially get reported trying too hard. Possibly, possibly. I think in terms of in terms of the second part of his of the uh, question there, in terms of hype, I think it's probably on par with um, Nick Stevens and Travis Boak and their debuts. Um, but I think Johnny Butcher's debut was a bit more anticipated. I think. Oh, the Butch! Yeah, that was that was pretty epic. The Butch. Mm. Um, what about Gavin Wanganeen's debut? Yeah, we didn't really debut for us. Really? Well, he did. He came yeah. in and debuted for us. His yeah, first like... game with the power. Yeah. That's still a, de- that's still a debut. I don't think... I, I wouldn't classify that, to be honest. No? No. Oh. No. Well, I, 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 think, was... I think mature players coming in or coming back, as in uh, Wanganin's case, is a bit different to like 18-year-old kids playing their first game. I was actually really, really excited with Ben Jacobs. I thought Ben Jacobs was going to be like the second coming of Russell Lever. And so I was really excited. <laughs> he was probably the most excited I've ever been of a player playing his first game. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, so I have nothing to say to that. 
SP, SPP is just another another a mini a mini choppy coming into the mix. Yeah, should be good. Uh, next yeah. question from Power Girl, also about Power Pepper. How long will it take the coaching group to uh, wear him down and remove all of his grunt and hardness? Yeah, look, I'm expecting uh, Burgess to probably get a couple of marathons in him before pre- uh, the halfway mark of the season. Uh, try and strip him down by 10 kilo and uh, and get him looking like a, an Ethiopian runner anytime oh, soon. I heard he was doing the Bondi uh, Ironman tomorrow, so you know yeah. he should be should be ready for uh, yeah. for the Swans. He'll slim down and uh, should be ready to go. Yeah, I'll be with him. Let's let's do it. That's it. Yeah, uh, Christoph. Um, just exactly how many roads must a man walk down? For what purpose? <laughs> Before it makes him a man. Mm. But let's define what is a man. Mm. Oh, look, and who, I would say, who am I? Who are you? Well, that's a good question as well. Look, I would say 15 roads, probably the length of Port Wakefield Road. If you can do that 15 times, I reckon you, you'll be made a man. I reckon. No, not really. I, I think we, I think it's a deeper question that I, I actually think it's really questioning who are who am I as a person and who are you, and and then once you define that, you can define how long a road you need to travel to become the person that you are. That's it. A thousand miles, Rick. Mm. Then maybe you'll walk a thousand more. <laughs> da da da. <laughs> Speaking of songs, uh, Bomber Clifford has said Sweet Caroline or Crunchy Granola. Now, this is a very serious topic for me. And when when Neil Diamond comes into the mix, there's no more jokes. Like, he is like one of the mecca of all meccas with Johnny Cash, um, Dean Martin, Mm. all those legends. um, Sweet Caroline all the time. I don't know, look, I, to be honest, I got audibly tortured with Neil Diamond from birth as my mum pretty much played him all day, every single day of the year from until I moved out of home. So uh, my response would be to go F yourself, really, in terms of questions for Neil Diamond. But uh, no, the correct answer would actually be Crackman Rosie, I think. What the, what the hell? <laughs> go F myself? <laughs> look, Crackman Rosie is clearly the best Neil Diamond song. And I won't hear anything otherwise. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that song. Really? You're nuts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go to YouTube. You right can tune now. it later. Not right now, because we're in the middle of a podcast. And speaking of which, there's another question from Peck. Uh, re- another one about Pal Pepper. Realistically, how well is SPP performing compared to expectations on draft day? Well. I wasn't expecting him to play round one, and I, I didn't think he was that good last. You know, my comments were I didn't think he was ready, and you thought you were champing at the bit to play him. So obviously, yep. you would be expecting that he's above uh, expectations at this point in time. I wouldn't say above. I would think he's probably around about par from what what we saw last year and what my expectations were on draft day. I think he was always going to play pretty early, um, and I think he's. Probably been a little bit more impressive than what I thought he would be in terms of what he's done with the ball. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would say he's probably on par. Yeah, I think I've been. Uh, well, I've, even though I didn't think he would play round one, he's been. Um, he's been a solid contributor. So mm. yeah, I guess he look preseason. Preseason, we're only going to know when uh, the heat is on. That's it. 
Uh, question from Power, Power, Power. Uh, how many potato cakes could you eat in one sitting? Hmm. How long am I in the city for? In one sitting. Oh, one sitting. I thought you said city. No. Uh, potato cakes. Hmm. Depends how big they are. But going on a conventional, say, four-inch diameter potato cake, and depending on the exercise I've done, I reckon five or six. Okay. Yeah. Need a, it would need a good aioli, though. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. A nice uh, chipotle aioli, I reckon, would yes. go pretty well. And uh, look, what if they're de- decent-sized ones, oh, I reckon I could do eight or nine. Shit, eight or nine. Any any other condiments outside of aioli? Uh, I think a bit of peri peri goes pretty well as well. Yeah, nice. Mm. A bit of mayo. Uh, probably not mayo. I wouldn't go wouldn't go the mayo route. I think you need something with a little bit of spice, a bit of tang uh, to it. Could you stuff one with a deep fried count uh, bounty bar or something? Have you tried any <laughs> other new inventions over the week? Not yet, mate. Not yet. But uh, you never know. You never know what will come up next. <laughs> Uh, next question is from Jason K. If uh, Zach Jones from Sydney is moving to an on-ball role for them, does that leave Mills as their only real running rebound defender? And do they look a little bit slow back there? Um, yeah, why not? Sounds good to me. <laughs> well, I, I didn't think you'd be able to answer that one, but that's all right. I think... Um, I don't think Jones was one of their main rebounders anyway. I think they've got Rampy and Mills who do the majority of the work. Uh, Lloyd often sort of uh, sneaks back there and provides that sort of main link-up role as well. McVeigh will come back into the side pretty soon. And they also picked up uh, uh, Sean Edwards as well, who's an emergency. who's very, very quick. So um, I'd also expect maybe someone like Brandon Jack or Dan Robinson might uh, head back there at, at times this year. And uh, they'll certainly play a bit more footy this year as well. But... Uh, do they lack speed in defence? Probably a little bit, I would say. Look, I think that's the least of our concerns, to be honest. I'm more concerned about uh, how we're going to negate Paul Kelly because he always does really well against us. And um, yeah. and Paul Ruse, you know, he, he provides a lot of rebound and, and that marking intercept along the half-back line. So, And again, I'm, I'm not sure how we're going to chop that out and, uh, you know, which player is going to potentially do that and who the hell is going to stop Tony Lockett from kicking 14 goals because he always massacres us. Well, look, the run from Stuart, Macfield, Stuart Maxfield and Wayne Schwash oh. from the half-back line is going to be hard to beat, I've got to say. That bloody blonde surfer used to annoy me all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, uh, hey, did you see that Tony Lockett was actually giving Franklin some goal-kicking tips this week? He was. Have you seen that Tony Lockett's lost about 40 <laughs> kilos? Mate, I couldn't believe he. He's, like, actually at AFL playing weight, like, if, which he was if never you would, he, look, he looks like a skeleton with skin. That's about it. <laughs> if only it was like that during his career. <laughs> he's, but, a, he's a cadaver that hasn't started to decompose yet. I think that's about it. But. So why is it that the great Tony Lockett can go get to the SCG to help out the Budster and we can't get Warren Treadray or Scotty Hodges down to the footy club to help our boys out? Well, they need to... Uh... You know, they need to ask for the help first, don't they? Well, why don't we ask? Wouldn't that surely that would be inspirational? Some of these players would want to be would want to be helped. Like they, you know, they probably wouldn't just appreciate someone turning up and saying, "Hey, I'm going to fix your kicking." Like they're going to have to sort of front up and say, "Hey, you know, my kicking's a little bit wayward at the moment. Um, can we see if we can get Treaders down?" Well, you're not telling me that uh, 
Dixon wouldn't want some additional help with his goal kicking. Don't know. Man, I'm sure if uh, one of the coaches came up and said, hey, do you remember remember Warren Treadray? Or, hey, check out these highlights of Scott Hodges. You know, he kicked so many goals, X amount of goals for Port Adelaide in in the SANFL and in the AFL. What about, um, you know, wouldn't you like him to come down and be an inspiration and show you how to maybe kick a goal from, yeah, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, why not? I'd love to do that. Um, we've got a question on the uh, Spreaker chat from uh, Nicholas Teal, who has asked, um, if you were a musical instrument, what would you be? Well, I am a musical instrument. I, would, I, I sing dulcet tones all the time. Would you like me to sing something? You do sound like a bit of a tuba. <laughs> yeah, I could, uh, I would, I'd probably go for a, um, I don't know, what would I go for? What's the, the, what's the, uh, the stand-up bass? So that that's not an ob ob yeah. isn't it? it's a the double bass yeah mm. okay yeah you know you know what is it what is it you know what it is a Come double on, bass yeah it's not a double bass it's got it a better a term bass. than that the one that stands up and the girls yeah. put in between their legs and and play yes no the, the one from a... the living end yes it's a double bass is it I think so I'm thinking I'm thinking yeah. more of the sharp the sharp I don't know yeah oh, the sharp you don't know who the sharp is. You need to need to Google the sharp scratch my back. Okay, we'll do. Right, right, let's get on with the preview. Porter playing Sydney at the SCG on Saturday afternoon to start our 2017 season. Uh, sadly, we've just got a 25% win rate against the Swans. We've won just seven out of our 27 matches against them in the AFL. Uh, so statistically, we actually have the worst record against Sydney out of all the teams in the AFL, which uh, isn't all that great. Um, Sydney are on a, a pretty big run against us as well. We've only won one of the last 14 matches against the Swans. Our last win came back in 2013. And uh, the last time we actually scored 100 points against the Swans was uh, in round two, 2006, 11 years ago, which was the uh, the second last time we actually beat them as well. So historically, it's uh, probably not looking too good this weekend. Mate, how long have I been um, bleating on that it's an indictment that we have this record against Sydney, and you know it's um, it's probably at least two two squads or two rosters that we've cycled through, and we still haven't been able to sort of regain some of the statistical uh, uh, dominance Sydney's had against us. And I, I think that's still an indictment on us. And you know, I always come into a, a game optimistic, and you know, I think round one's fifty fifty, but. Yeah, when you look at when when you're a realist and you you listen to those sort of statistics, well, obviously, um, yeah, we're we're probably not fifty fifty, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, well, you never know. I mean, records are meant to be broken, and this would be the perfect time to uh, to get one over the Swans, especially to start the season. Um, yeah, we probably do need a win pretty early on in this uh, this first month, so it would be such a great uh, confidence boost if we could actually get over them. Well, this is why I'm a little bit disappointed that we maybe didn't carry Atley in as a, an extra inside midfielder, especially seeing we're not playing Hamish Hartlett in that in that sort of role, which I think he's physically got the uh, capabilities to do. Um, I would, but I would have loved to, you know, Ollie Wines, Sam Pepper, uh, Atley in there as inside midfielders, um, you know, distributing it to uh, you know the Robbie Gray and the. Uh, uh, Travis Boak and Pollock on the and Ebert on the outside. I mean, yeah. 
that that would have that's what we need, isn't it? We need that inside grunt. It is, yeah, we we probably do. Um, we'll talk about the teams in a moment. Uh, the other thing of note for this game is that, that it's uh, our captain uh, Travis Boak's two hundredth AFL match. Uh, he's obviously been a great captain for us. Uh, debuted um, in two thousand seven. Um, and he's playing his 200th this week. Um, any words for Travis? Yeah, what a great guy! Mm. What an inspiration! What an inspirational leader! But like seriously though, um, yeah, I mean, I heard it. He's, it's been spoken about a bit, but yeah, he was one of those guys that you know could have gone and didn't, hadn't remained loyal, loyal to the club, and uh, you know, and that really set a precedent for a lot of other players to continue their loyalty with the club too. So, right. um, you know, he did, he could have taken the easy option and gone home, and he didn't, and uh, got to respect that. And I respect that he continues to put his body on the line every game for the Port Adelaide Football Club, and he's been a great captain. Yeah. You just got to wonder what might have happened if he did leave and if uh, Trengove left um, the year before. Because I think Trengove was the one that sort of uh, first started it and said, look, let's make a stand. We've all got to stay here and and make things a a better place and make ourselves a better team. And um, so far, since then, since, you know, 2011, I don't think we've actually lost a player that we um, probably wanted to keep. Yeah, but we probably should have got rid of some that we did want to keep too. Yep. I wouldn't disagree with that. And imagine um, if it was a, imagine if it was like Pizarro World and they all left, but we'd retain Troy Chaplin and Ben Jacobs. What sort of team would we have had then? Well, let's. Uh, I shudder to think. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's talk about the teams, um, and we'll talk about. Um, we'll leave the deb- debutants for a moment. But uh, any surprises in the lineup for you, mate? Um. Uh, Probably Broadbrent after his limited um, uh, pre-season contributions. And as I sort of intimated with uh, Atlee, um, yeah, I just probably, I don't know, I would have re- rewarded, uh, you know, the form of the players that did very well instead of sort of rushing back Matthew Broadbent. Probably that's the, probably that's the only one. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that, that do, for me is probably... Do you disagree? No, I don't disagree at all. I think that's a little bit of a surprise. I, I guess in the end, it probably would have come down to either Broadbent or Atley, I reckon. Um, and they've probably decided to go for the experience there, uh, which is fine. Um, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know. I've, I've got some queries about our defence and, and how it looks, but uh, Broadie back there, we know he can run and carry the footy. And at the SCG, which is a smaller ground, uh, his booming um, left leg uh, could be a bit of a weapon. Well, I mean, I can understand the temptation to want to have uh, Broadbent bit there because uh, obviously we've lost a bit of experience with um, uh, Jasper Pittard. And apologies because I'm. Are you still having trouble getting the AFL and the Port Adelaide website loading? Because I just wanted to refresh my memory on the side and. Uh, it's not coming up, but you know, I just, I don't know. I just think Brody's been a little bit flaky over the last couple of years, and I just would have really um, liked to have rewarded the form youth players that did well in the preseason. Personally, yeah, I guess it's that balancing act between debutants and young players and experience, and facing a, a Swan side which is, you know, probably pretty ready to go. They just played off in a grand final last year. Um, yeah, but how? How, you just spoke about the Port Adelaide record against the Sydney Swans. How, how have the regular senior players uh, gone for us against Sydney in, in the last three to four years anyway? That's, that's fine, but if you play too many young kids, I mean, 
you run the risk of losing by 70 or 80 points, don't you? So, do you? I, it's, I think you do. I think you do against the Swans. I'm pretty sure we could We carry, saw what happened uh, last year when we had half sure. a side and went there with a pretty young team. Eddie, Eddie's a 27-year-old player, so he's not, he's not like an 18-year-old. So uh, you, you're talking about three, uh, three first-year players. And Dan Houston's actually been in the, in the system uh, two, uh, two years one now. Year. So, well, he was recruited in, what, 16, wasn't he? Yeah, so he's had one season. Yeah. One season. Well, that's more than, uh, more than Atley and uh, SPP. So, it's still um, his first game, isn't it? It's, a, oh, it's yeah. a bit different when the real stuff starts. So. Bring it on. These boys are up for the challenge, Macca. Let's Bring let's on. back them in. I'm <laughs> sick right. of the same well, old, same old. Let's talk about the uh, the debutants, I guess, and that's uh, Sam Powell Pepper, uh, Dan Houston, and Brett Eddy will be playing their first games um, on Saturday. Uh, all deserved. All three had a, a very very good uh, preseason. I think Brett Eddy looked uh, really good in that last game. Dan Houston was just solid as a rock back there, and uh, Sam Powell Pepper we, we've spoken about at length already. Yeah, SPP. Um, Eddie, I'm really intrigued with. I, I'm, I, I'd be interested to see, A, how he handles the smaller SCG, uh, but B, he's been our most um, our most natural looking forward um, for the pre-season as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, I mean, if we're thinking about, oh, there's no more Jay Schultz there and, uh, you know, how we how we're going to replace Jay? Well, I think uh, Eddie's looked fantastic in that sort of similar role. Um, yeah. Not trying to say that he's as good as Jay yet through three preseason games, but he just moves to the right spots and seems to attract the ball and leads well. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see: uh, do we go as regularly to Dixon, or do we spread the love between uh, Eddie and Dixon and and what we do there? That's so. That's and Houston. I've really been impressed with Dan Houston this preseason. What about yourself? Absolutely. As I said, he's been solid as a rock. He hasn't really put a foot wrong. Defensively, he's been really solid. Uh, he's been great with the ball. He, he really wasted disposal, and that's exactly what we need coming out of the back line. We know that we can um, turn, the, turn the ball over quite a bit and, and have done the last couple of years. So to have someone that looks like they've got a pretty uh, rock-solid um, foot on them, happy days, mate. Yes. And Dan, I'm really excited for Dan Houston. I... Um... I love his disposal. I think his ball use is, um, has been very, very magnificent for, um, you know, for what someone we so usually see. Well, for someone so young, but usually, I guess we've been sort of expect, we've been, not expected, but we've been accustomed to flaky halfback flankers for a while, you know, that have taken a few years to earn their stripes like Jasper and now Riley Bonner. So to see someone uh, come in and play maturely at a young age is uh, refreshing. It is, absolutely. Uh, in terms of concerns about Dixon and Eddie and how they're going to work together at the SCG, look, anything will be better than what we uh, performed last year where we were six goals, five to nothing at quarter time and just couldn't get the ball forward. So I think if we can get the ball forward, I think Eddie is, especially is going to have a chance at kicking a few goals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what do you think, though? How, what do you think the game plan is going to be with Eddie versus Dixon versus Trengove? Is it... Do you think it's going to be share the love? Are, the, are our midfielders smart enough to just spot up the best player, or do you think they're going to do this continual bomb it deep and long and high onto Dixon's head? It's hard to see how the the three toll forward is going to work at the SCG, but I guess you look at the Swans and they've got the same with Franklin, Tippett, and Reed. Um, so 
I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I would love to see Eddie sort of patrolling that sort of 15-metre arc. Um, Dixon a bit further back and, and Trengove um, pushing up to the wing a little bit. Um, that, that's what I would prefer to see, I think. Yeah. Well, I guess you've got Tippett that sort of goes up as that Ruckman as well, don't you? Which will be the sort of the equivalent of Trengove. And I, I guess that extra tall... Um, becomes tricky now because you don't have that third man up. So there's no point pushing that extra tall up to the contest unless they're exceptionally mobile, which is, I guess, which is Buddy Franklin, who's a bit of a freak. But, you know, yeah. we can't compare Tippett or um, or Jackson to uh, to Buddy. That's for sure. No, that's right. Uh, quick look at Sydney. I mean, their pre-season form has been pretty good. They beat St Kilda and GWS. They lost to North by two points. So they've been in pretty consistent form. Uh, they do move the ball exceptionally quickly and, and can transition from the defensive 50 to deep forward in the blink of an eye, especially at the SEG. Um, and we know that they're all about the pressure and, and contested footy and really choking their opponents into submission like they did with us last year. Yeah, well, look, it's just all theoretical, isn't it? You know, I guess our, our pre-season's been a little bit difficult to gauge, uh, I agree with the, some of the sentiments that, you know, we, we won a fair share of our quarters and it was really only two disappointing quarters that let us down in two of those games. But I think that's been the, the misery of our demise over the last couple of years, that it's just been... It certainly has. That, you know, like you just mentioned, when we played at the SCG last year, you know, no, nothing to six goals, four or whatever it was. I mean, and then we, never, we just can't seem to rebound from those disappointing quarters. Uh, we've, been, we've had a few gallant defeats, but... You know, I mean, yeah, that doesn't cut it after a while. So I really just want to see us consistently push and battle, and I'm really interested yeah. to see how we handle the inside contest. Should be interesting. I want to have a quick look at our forward line uh, just to start with and maybe some matchups as well. Charlie Dixon, he really needs to perform this week. Uh, he didn't have a very good preseason. He struggled through the back end of last year as well. Uh, you would think... Probably Grundy will go to him, who lacks maybe a bit of height, but has the bulk uh, to go with him physically. And he's such a dour defender. He really gives um, his opponents an inch, really. Yeah, Grundy's a great defender. Yeah, and I guess he's wise enough to be able to handle a uh, Dixon. I guess, I mean, I'm excited that um, Wingard's named in the, in the forward line to start with. And I, I guess the thing that I'll be looking for is our forward line actually locking the ball inside our inside 50 and not allowing for quick rebounds. If, I mean, that's going to be one of the keys to success, really, because if we if we just allow them the quick rebound out of our, um, our forward 50s, uh, I just don't see how we can win the game. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. Westhoff as well, he'll be up there. Um, do you think we might be a bit too tall with uh, Eddie, Dixon, Trangove and Westhoff in the forward line? Uh, look, I would imagine they'll probably float either Westhoff or Trangove back they'll probably alternate it between the two players yep. and use and use them as the spare uh, loose floating defender. Uh, I don't I don't think we're going to have the, you know, a traditional, I mean, what team does these days, but I don't think we're going to have a traditional um, six-man forward line. So, yeah, I'd yep. imagine that one of those will be a decoy forward that will just float back in defence and try and yep. do the chop-out marking. Yeah. Which, expect... which might be a good game plan. Oh, I think so, yeah. I would think, I would expect that to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think um, you would probably expect Laidler to go to Westhoff or Trengove. Um, he's got the pace and the agility to go with both um, and is uh, deceptively tall in terms of like, he's got good reach and uh, can defend pretty well. 
Uh, pretty reliable defender for them. In terms of Brett Eddy, I would expect Dane Rampey to go to him, uh, the old Australian from last year. I expect him to take Brett Eddy and um, maybe Harrison Marsh. Um, d- depends. Uh, it should be an interesting matchup, I think. Eddie should have the size. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rampey's definitely got the smarts to go with him. Hey, I can't load up the teams. Was Aaron Young named on the half-forward play? Uh, he was named in the pocket, mate. He was in the pocket. Okay. Yeah, if you go Again, to Google, a... if you go to Google and just um, and Google round one AFL teams and go to the Raw, um, you'll be able to get that website up. Okay, good old AFL website, eh? Crashed on the first day of the season. Well done, Telstra. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are we going to see up forward in terms of smalls? Um, we've got Robbie Gray uh, named in the midfield. Um, we've got Sam Gray on a forward flank, Aaron Young forward pocket, Chad Wingard forward flank as well. But the talk is that Robbie Gray is going to spend most of the season up forward. Um, do you see that eventuating? No. No. Do you? I do, yep. Do you? Well, I think he'll play most of, uh, especially this week in the forward line, I think. Well, I guess it depends how the new the new midfielders go, to be honest. Um, it would be a bit of a luxury uh, to play him just as a permanent forward. Yeah. So, I mean... If we if we're getting dominated, what's the point of having Robbie Gray stuck in the forward line? So I'd I'd much prefer him around the ball predominantly. He's a he's a ball winner. I That's guess right. the only con, I guess the only concern is um, are they worried about his potential leg speed? Is it, is he losing some of his leg speed? Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's more to do with um, with his body and maybe trying to sort of ease him into the season a little bit. I don't know, but. Um, but we know how dangerous he can be up forward as well. Um, and we do need players that can keep the ball in the area, which he's also very, very good at. Uh, if we can have Gray and Wingard perform on the day um, up forward, and especially if someone like Dixon or Eddie has a bit of a day out as well, we're going to kick quite a few goals. Uh, I'm really excited that Darcy Byrne-Jones is named. Uh, he was, I don't know, he was he was an inspirational player for me last year. So He was, um, he was very good. Oh, he was just so hard. Well, yeah, he's I an just absolute lock down there these days. He's Isn't an absolute he? lock. Yeah. Isn't he? Oh, it's, it's, it has, he's the type of player that inspires you to, as a fan to watch football. You know, He just gives his all, gets that white line fever, just goes in hard. He's not dirty. And uh, you just know what you're going to get from him. And that's just 100% effort and commitment. And, uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's one of my favourite players. What about... So, yeah, one of the keys for me too, uh, Macca, is um, Brett Ebert and Jared Pollock. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Look, I think Brett Ebert really needs to have a huge game this week. He's probably going to play on someone like Kennedy or, or Hanabry. Um, he's just got to be able to play a bit defensively and also get a lot of the ball. If Jared Pollock gets a lot of the ball, we, you know that we're going to kick goals because he's just so good at delivering the ball inside 50. He's going to hit Dixon and, and Eddie on the chest uh, more times than not. Well, I just thought Jared had an understandably uh, inconsistent year last year. Yeah. Um, but for Brad, I, I, you know, he's a lot better player than what he delivered last year, I thought. He was, yeah. I thought he was inconsistent with his uh, influence in the games compared to previous seasons. And from he was a senior also playing player. a bit of a different role as well. He's playing a lot more defensively, doing some tagging jobs than what we had seen in the past. Yeah, look, don't try and make excuses for him. Okay? <laughs> what 
Well, look, I would love to see. <laughs> Just I, would, I would love to see the uh, the 2014 version of Brad Evert come out and uh, you know get his sort of yes. 30, 30 touches and also um, you know lay you know eight to ten tackles. That that would be great. That's what we need. We That's need. What we need is. Yeah. I mean, you know, remember when we started this program all those years ago, and and we had uh, and we started it with enviable and uh, and and he was in awe of um, Brad's gut running the lines and. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Brad did that for a couple of years. You know, and yeah. and and it, that sort of dropped off a little bit, and it's not as noticeable. And I, I think we really need him and him and Jared both. You know, doing that gut running, line breaking. Um, you know, between that hundred meters between the two arcs, and sure. if we can get because that provides that link up play and gives us that run and car- carry as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think if we can actually get the ball forward, I think we've got a good chance to win because. You know, with Wingard, with Gray, with Westhoff, Dixon, um, potentially Trengove, Aaron Young up there as well. Look, we do actually have a pretty decent forward line and a forward line that can kick goals. Um, and I think the thing that's going to, um, which is what uh, someone mentioned as, as one of the questions, was you're right there. Yeah, why? What's the matter? As <laughs> one of the questions, turn your bloody computer down. Um, one of the questions we got a bit earlier, which was in regards to the Swans' uh, lack of leg speed down back, and that's something where I think we might actually be able to get a bit of an advantage. Yeah, well, we've just got to break their uh, any zone that they create, don't we? Yeah. So get through that zone, and then we're uh, and then we're rocking and rolling. That's it. Let's uh, have a quick look at the midfield. We'll talk about the big four a little bit later, but um, in terms of some of those second-string midfielders for the Swans, um, Zach Jones is someone that's gone from a back pocket uh, in the last couple of seasons, and I think he's going to be um, played a lot in the midfield this year. He's certainly played a lot through the midfield in the preseason. was the highest draft pick a couple of years back, and uh, you know this could be the year that he becomes a bit more of a regular performer, and he's got the leg speed, he's got the skills to, uh, to do some damage on a wing. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what Zach can do. So he's probably someone that um, you know we need to to be a little bit mindful of. I don't know if someone like Sam Gray might go to him, or maybe Jared Pollock as well. Uh, do you really want to waste a Jared Pollock sort of manning up? That's not really Jared's not, specialty, though, is it? I'm not suggesting we sit someone on him. Uh, I'm just suggesting that they'll sort of play near each other, and uh, you know, if if Jones gets the ball, he's going to zoom off. Um, we know about Jared's lack of um, lack of defensive ability. Certainly last year he got dropped a couple of times for that. Uh, so if they do line up against each other, he's got to be a bit mindful of what's going to happen. So don't you think maybe uh, Brad Ebert would be better to maybe man up against him? I think he's going to be more use deep in the guts. Deep in the guts? Yeah. What about the big buddy? That, I mean, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Mm. Does he play midfield? Oh, <laughs> yeah. He'll play anywhere he wants to play. Look, yeah, I've still got... I've still funny got I say that because he does actually... He probably spends more time outside of the 50 as opposed to inside the 50 at the SCG. He does sort of patrol that sort of 50 to 70 metre zone because uh, you know he can hoof at 70 metres and he's going to bloody get it get it down there pretty deep. Um, I just, and he's done a lot of damage against us um, by doing that sort of role in the past. I just hope we've got courage... And we just man up, man him up with Cleary, because Cleary's well, pro- our best aerobic defender. That's so got to be the, push... the most logical matchup. It's got to be Cleary on, Flank, on Franklin for sure. Because I mean, if he goes outside the fifty, I would uh, yeah Cleary, and then um, 
And then once he drifts inside 50, you, you maybe you go for Homsch or something like that. And I think, mm. you know, with, with Franklin and Tippett, um, yeah, you'd really be thinking Jackson, Jackson Tringo's height would be a, a bit of an advantage for us in the defensive 50, surely. But yeah. I guess if, they, if they're drifting um, Westhoff or, uh, or Jackson down there, I guess hopefully that will be enough of an influence to distract the, the forwards anyway. But, um, yeah, I've, mate, I've still got scars from a couple of years ago when we should have beaten Sydney and friggin' Franklin kicked that goal from like 100 metres out on yeah. the wing. Yeah. It's... It, it still it still gives me nightmares. <laughs> no, it's certainly tr- true. And look, he's obviously the key player for the Swans, and you know he's going to be at least good for two goals against us. He usually is, and uh, I think um, more often than two. not. Well, as I said, at least two. I think um, we seem to really struggle against him in general play, as opposed to him hitting the scoreboard. He's only really destroyed us scoreboard wise a few times, but. It's his link-up play and his ability to get free and deliver that ball inside 50, which um, which has caused us the most issues, I think. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's why I said I'd be hoping we maybe just roll with a, a Cleary who's probably got the engine to go with Franklin and maybe even beat Franklin engine-wise um, and just see and see what we can do there. Yeah. I don't think he's got the pace, but he's certainly got the endurance to go with him. Uh, so that'll yeah. be a pretty good match-up. And uh, look, hopefully he does a pretty good job, I would think. Fingers um, crossed. That's it. I mean, you would expect Homsch to go to Tippett, who probably doesn't have the height, but he's got the reach, and that way he can sort of zone off a little bit as well. Uh, I like that matchup. Um, who goes to Sam Reed? I'm not too sure. I think Jonas, um, sorry, Janus on the forum wanted a DBJ, but I reckon Jonas is probably the more natural matchup. Uh, sure. Reed's pretty dangerous in the air. Uh, but he doesn't really do all that much else, and I think that's Jonas's real strength is um, getting that fist in. Uh, so if he can, if he can sort of uh, shut him out of the game, that would be pretty handy. Do you looking at that defence? Do you think really our defence would look stronger if Tom Jonas wasn't in there and Jackson Trangove was that centre half back? Uh, probably. Probably. Look, I think Jonas had a reason like, outside of the first sort of. First quarter of that first preseason game, I think he's had a pretty solid um, start to the year, and look, I thought he was reasonable last year prior to the uh, suspension as well. So, look, I think he can perform a, a role this year. What happens when Logan Austin comes back? I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, look, Is, ultimately, are I you intimating? Are you intimating that Logan's almost an automatic selection? I think we need that if we're not going to be playing Jackson Trengove down back. We do need someone with genuine height because Cleary's like one ninety three, Homsch's what one ninety two, I think. Tom Jonas yeah. is one eighty eight. We we need someone that's going to be able to take um, either a wrestling ruckman or the genuine size key forwards in the competition. And um, you know what we don't want to see is someone like um, I don't know, someone like Sam Reed or, or someone else, um, Danaher, someone like that. Um, you know. Pulling down ten marks inside fifty and kicking eight goals—that's what you don't want to see. And I think that's that's the bonus of what um, Trengove can do. He's very underrated defensively. And I think it's also the bonus of what Logan Austin brings to the system is that he's got that genuine height and he is pretty good defensively. Yeah, I was a big fan of Logan last year. He played well. He yes. played really well. He didn't really disgrace himself at all for someone so young and so in- inexperienced. So if we can get him back into the side in the next uh, sort of month or so. I'd be pretty happy with that. 
So you asked about Robbie Gray playing predominantly forward. What about Chad? Is he is he going to be predominantly midfield? Uh, quite possibly. Um, I would like to see that. Uh, I think Wingard in the midfield is just as good as Wingard the forward. Um, gets a lot of the ball, reads the play super well. He's got great skills, got good pace, uh, carries the ball. Um, on the SEG, I'd love to see him play um, up the ground. And I think he'd be good for sort of 25 touches. And you know that he's still probably going to kick a couple of goals as well. Well, I think he'll be twice the player against Sydney than what, he, what, he, what his output was in the couple of preseason games that he played. Yeah. Again, he was a little bit down last year. He had a purple patch of about five or six weeks, but that was about it. But um, he seems fit and ready to go. And uh, look, he, we, as we've seen every second year, he's uh, in all Australian form. So hopefully, he can bring that again this year. Mate, if he, every second, I was just about to prompt you on this one. If every second year he's in all Australian form, he's due for his cycle. I'd even, I'd even go as far to say, if that's the case, and he's playing midfield. You'd want to put a bet on him for top three for the Brownlow, surely. <laughs> well, it's, it could potentially happen. Um, he hasn't been a big vote winner so far, uh, which is a bit of a surprise, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think he's certainly got um, Brownlow potential if he, uh, if he performs to his uh, ability through the midfield. And so the one player that we haven't mentioned is that a bit of an indictment on the player that we really haven't spoken about Hamish Hartlett at all and his potential influence on the game? Well, you just don't know, A, where he's going to play. Is he going to play down back? B, is he just going to skulk back there and get six touches and not do much else? Uh, Or is he going to, you know, pick up 25 clinical possessions and, you know, provide us with a lot of run and and some decent skills? So you just don't know which hammer's going to turn up. Um, And... And this is my this is my question, yeah, because I think you can I think Broadbent's a little bit more consistent than what Hamish is, but oh, we definitely. have to say oh, but we still have the same sort of question marks over Broady and his influence and, as well as Hamish and and that's where you know, I really question the longevity of these players in our side if they if they keep dishing that up year after year. Well, yeah, I think and, I think this is West why Off, we've Broadie one. back into the team to be honest, is because Hamish in the preseason was still pretty unreliable. You know, he was still missing kicks. Defensively, he was okay, but he wasn't really providing us with probably the rebound that we were expecting. So I think this is why we've rushed Brody back into the team. Yeah. So, Which is unfortunate because I think if Hartlett had really had a great preseason, I think we would be seeing Joe Attlee play this week and Brody having another week off or, or playing in the trial game tonight. Damn you, Hamish. Damn you. <laughs> I really wanted to see Atley play. Mm. Look, as I said, uh, I think last week, I think I didn't really expect him to play this week, but I do expect him to get a go in the first month, I think. He'll probably play by week four, I would expect. But um, Some other key players for Sydney. I mean, Dan Hannabury is uh, certainly enjoying his uh, post-Corns Port Adelaide. Um, he's gone from being Kane Corn's biggest bunny uh, to picking up 34 and 36 touches, as well as Brownlow votes in the last two games against us since Corn's uh, retired. Uh, very dangerous on the outside. He's a great runner. He's got awesome skills, and he does kick goals against us as well. Who do we put on Dan Hanabry, Matt? Can we get Kane Corn's out of retirement? <laughs> That'd be a good look. Dan Hanabry is what I would love Sam Gray to turn into, that sort of player. 
which no, I, I know he's asking like... a hell of a lot, but I would still <laughs> like to see uh, <laughs> Sam Gray maybe try and run with him and do a bit of a defensive job and maybe Mate. see if he can pick up a bit of the ball as well. You are the eternal optimist. Well, <laughs> I'm thinking, I, want, I wanted Ollie Wines to run with Josh Kennedy, right? So yep. we got to get rid of that. So maybe it would. we just match up Travis Boat with Dan Hanabry and tell yep. the captain to do a job. Yeah. I mean, the, you just got to be careful, don't you? Because if we, if we play Ollie Wines in a defensive role, you wanted to play Ebert in a defensive role, and if we're also doing both in a defensive role, we're not going to have too well, many players that are actually attacking the ball in the packs. Well, I don't want Ebert to play a defensive role. I just want Ebert to sort of uh, play a conscious conscious role. Yeah. Look, I'd also have Ebert running with him, I think. I think he could do... Uh, a bit of a job on Hanabry. He's got the size to probably beat him in the air. Um, he's certainly got the uh, the endurance uh, to go with him as well. I mean, they're all good players. So, I mean, you can't, like you said, you can't run with all of them. So, yeah. I mean, you can you can be accountable to most of them. But again, if you if you tell all your midfielders you have to be defensively accountable um, at the stoppage, well, they're not the really going to want to hunt. Happens. <laughs> yeah, you're not going. You're not going to want to hunt the ball, are you? And then no. so you're not going to. You're not going to win the clearance. So, you know, part of us has to have a bit of confidence in the playing group and actually give them the courage to actually go attack the ball and win the ball. It's just, I think, what we didn't do well last year is when we did hunt the ball and attack the ball, we just didn't use it very well at all. Yeah. No, and then true. we got we burn it, and then we got caught on the rebound after that. Yeah. Uh, Josh Kennedy, of all the players in the AFL. Uh, Kennedy would probably be in the top handful that destroy us every single time we meet. And, uh, you know, we, we've tried a number of players on him over the years. And uh, really only Ebert's been able to negate him. And that was only that one game a couple of years ago. Uh, he averages 27 touches and a goal a game and also six and a half clearances against us. He's picked up his second most Brownlow votes against us. What do we need to do to stop him from dominating? We just need to win the ball ourselves, don't we? Mm. Pretty simple, well, I think. Can you play physical all... with him? Can you sort of rough him up a little bit? Do you just sit someone on him the whole game, or do we try and hurt him the other way and maybe uh, get in his uh, get the mental side going a little bit? Well, I think we need to initiate body contact without being stupid, um, because you know if we just let Sydney just dominate us physically, well then uh, yeah, it's going to be all over. And but I, I just yeah you know, as I was sort of we were joking around before I, I just think we need to we just need to go head to head to agree and and yeah you know, I mean and the paper names of our players are you know they're, they're, they potentially are good players but the problem is they're potentially good players whereas the Sydney team are good players yeah you know, they stack it up week after week whereas our boys you know don't want to stack it up week after week so mm-hmm. that that becomes the problem so you know. I just think back to someone who posted up this week about Choco not wanting um, bloody Josh Kennedy with the Burgoyne deal because uh, Josh Kennedy wasn't good enough. If, yeah. we, if only we had our time again. <laughs> yes, certainly. <laughs> oh, these things happen, don't they? Yeah, too often. And the other one that we've got to talk about is Luke Parker, who uh, last time out picked up uh, 39 touches and three Brownlow votes against us. He had 26 and two the year before. You know, he's yet another big-bodied physical midfielder that kicks a lot of goals against us. Well, surely, you know, we're rattling off all these midfielders' names. It just highlights how 
influential we need Paddy Ryder to be at winning the tap and directing it to the advantage of our players, don't we? That's right. And that's going to be the advantage, is, is having Paddy Ryder back. He'll be up against Sam Naismith and Kurt Tippett. Um, last year, Sam Naismith had a pretty decent game against us. I think he, he probably won the ruck battle. Um, but Ryder is really the X factor for us. Um, and, and really sort of seeing if he can perform and, and hit those tap-outs like he did uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, if he can get a few touches around the ground as well and maybe sneak forward and kick a goal, that would be great too. Well, surely you'd think that uh, Ryder, on paper, would be a better player than Naismith. Certainly on paper. I mean, Naismith is pretty young. He's only played a handful of games. Uh, so I think certainly he's got the experience and, and maybe the leap to go against him. You'd think so. So I'm hoping that Ryder can give us that advantage. Yep. Fingers crossed. Anyone else you're worried about with Sydney, mate, or any other comments? Oh, just our coach's box. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting just... to see how we how we approach this game, whether we go attacking, whether we go defensive, um, whether we go back into our shells if we start missing targets. I mean, that, that's the real concern that I've got, is if we start playing attacking, we miss a few targets, and then we just start sort of chipping it around and trying to keep possession of the ball. And uh, but... I don't think we're going to win against Sydney by doing that. We have to be courageous. It's our only option. Yeah. Uh, if we're if we're too paranoid about how good Sydney are, we're not we're just not going to cut the mustard. We need to be courageous in our own players and uh, have faith in our game plan, which I'm not sure what our game plan is, but have faith in the game plan and uh, and just execute it. Yeah, and if we're not good enough, we're not good enough. But um, yeah, you know that's what we did in 13 and 14, and it worked well, and we played with courage and didn't fear losing. And then when the heat came on, we started fear losing and that became a problem. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've always struggled throughout our history at the smaller ground of the SCG. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting. It's an interesting game because, you know, even though I've made it sound a little bit doom and gloomish, you know, it's the first game of the year. We haven't been horrendously bad in the preseason. We've got a pretty fit squad. So, you know, who knows? On paper, we should be able to take it right up to them. Yeah, how confident are you of coming away with the points this week? Uh, I'd probably go 70-30, Sydney's favour. Okay, yeah. What about you? Yeah, probably around about the same, really. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I'd love to go 100% Port Adelaide, right? But if we're going to be completely realistic and we, we go at the, the stats, um, you know, it probably should be greater than 70-30 in Sydney's favour, but I think it's round one of the season, and sometimes they're not the best starting team in the in the first couple of games, and you know, so and I think our boys might be motivated. So uh, I'm hopeful that you know we we're, we're in it with a shot. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, let's get to some predictions, and first one I want to do is the game changer. Who's going to be your game changer this week for either team? Who's going to be our game changer? Dan Houston. Okay. Who's he going to play on? He's going to play on Smith. Okay. Smith. No, he's not. No, he's not. I got my sheets the wrong way around. Dean Towers. He's got to be in the forward line. No, he's going to, he's going to man up on Dean Towers. Yeah. But I, I reckon he's going to take about 80 to set marks and he's going to have about 20 disposal at about 90% efficiency. Okay. 
That'd be good. If he could do a job on Towers, that, that'd be all right. Towers has got a lot of pace um, and can kick goals, um, but he is susceptible to someone sort of sitting on him as well. So if Houston can do that, that'd be great. I think the game changer this week is going to be an obvious one. It's going to be Luke Parker, I think, is the one that we really need to look at, and I think he's going to be the three-vote winner for the Swans this week. Yeah, well, if you're doing that, that means Sydney's going to win. Well, yes. Most well, likely boot. they will, yes. Boo, boo you. <laughs> Who's going to be your X Factor, mate? Who's going to be our X Factor? I'm going to go... Hamish Hartlett. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say he's going to get 25 possessions and kick three goals. Yep. That would be wonderful if that happened. Seeing I just, seeing I just bagged the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would certainly be great. Look, mine, it's just got to be Paddy Ryder, doesn't it? I mean, if he can feed our midfield the ball, uh, if we can get first touch, get the ball out of the area, get it up forward quickly, uh, we're a big chance of winning the game. Uh, I think a lot re- uh, relies on Ryder and Trengove winning those hitouts and, and finding our, um, our midfielders. Sounds good to me. Mm. Whose time is it to stand up this week, mate? Time to stand up would have to be Travis Boke. Okay. Even the captain on radio said he had an inconsistent year last year and we need him to have a, a blinder of a game, a true Port Adelaide captain's game in his 200th. He, he needs to be desperate for the win and drive the team for the win. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great call one. You know, 200th game, he's the captain up against probably the toughest midfield to play against in the AFL. You know, he's really got to stand up and, and do his job this week. And uh, for me, it's uh, it's an extension of that. It's the midfielder as a whole. I think they're going to be under the pump this week. So it's time for Boak and Ebert and Wines and the two Greys and Polek to really stand up against a big-name midfield. If they do, we could, we could well win the game. Um, if they don't, I think it'll be similar scenes to... Uh, to last year, um, but you know we're, our midfield really hasn't stood up against a big name midfield for uh, nearly two years now. Uh, so I think it, I think we're due. We are due. Mm. So who wins and what's the margin, mate? <sighs> Port Adelaide by seven points. Oh, okay, that's a good call. Who's yeah. going to be the leading goal kicker? Hamish Hartlett with three goals. Okay, Hamish Charlotte with three goals. That's a good call. I'm going to say Sydney. Look, I think we're going to play pretty well. I think it's going to be close for the first three quarters. I think Sydney will probably run away with it after that. Uh, but I'm going to go Sydney by 58 points. And I'm going to say Robbie Gray's going to kick three goals. <laughs> You're predicting a slaughter. You are so... You're so unport, Adelaide. That is disgraceful. <laughs> yeah, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Port Adelaide win the game... Are they a potential lock for the top eight? And if Port Adelaide lose the game by 50 or more points, are they a lock not to make the top eight? Say that again. If we lose the game by 50... If we lose the game by 50 or more points, we're a lock not to make the top eight. And if we win the game... It's hard to say off the back of one game. No, I don't think so. You'll be able to tell for the season, how we're going to play by this game. I guarantee it. 
Mm. And if we win the game, are we a lock for the top eight? It's a yes or no answer, Macca. If we win, it's going to feel like 2007 where we got that surprise win against Frio away from home. And we certainly made the eight that year and indeed made a grand final as well. So if we can beat Sydney away with with our history against them, our history at that ground um, and how we've performed in recent years uh, and what we're up against, I think it certainly shows good signs. And if we lose by more than 50 points? Uh, We'll be cancelling this podcast, mate. (laughs) I can't do another losing season. And and on another uh, football-related topic is, uh, can Dan Ricciardo win the uh, Formula One championship this year? Uh, no. Have you watched any of the testing in the pre-season? I haven't watched any of the testing, but um, I've loved having the uh, dedicated channel this week. That's been great. I haven't seen any of it. What have they been doing? Lots of old, uh, lots of old stuff. Lots of old Grand Prix from the nineties and the eighties, and season re- reviews from the eighties, and yeah. It's been great. Did they, did they show any of the old Adelaide Grand Prix? Yeah, yeah, they showed pretty much all of them, I think. Oh, the memories. Mm. So, is, who's your pick to win the Grand Prix this weekend? Oh, no idea, mate. No idea? <coughs> no. Idea? no. Ah. Well, that's no fun. Back to a football note. Um, looks like the Maggies were too good for Sturt uh, tonight at Albert and Oval, playing in the dark. Um they uh, won the game 105 to 50, so that's a that's a good performance by the the reserves there. That was a trial game, right? Well, it was a trial game. Yep. Any uh, have you got any standout players? Don't have any stats at the moment, unfortunately. But uh, looks like uh, Gus Monfries uh, had a pretty big game. So, right. Uh, what certainly good signs for him. You know something we didn't talk about the uh, the lack of noticeability of. Brendan Archie and Jimmy Tumpus through the throughout the whole preseason. Yeah, does that uh, are they like sort of a a certainty to be delisted at the end of this year, or or what's the uh, what's the story there? Is it basically saying to those players, boys, we know what you can give us and we know what we expect from you, so you either got to do this or you just don't have a, a look in at getting a spot in the game. Well, if, if they've struggled in the pre-season, then it's understandable if they weren't really given a chance, um, which would be unfortunate if true. But Did they struggle know. in the pre-season? I'm pretty sure they... Well, they might have. We don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything. Like, but it's just really weird that neither of them... I don't think they were injured, were they? No, I don't think they are. They just didn't get a go, so... That's what I mean. It's... it's well, look, what's it the happens. Psych- it like... <laughs> Realistically, they're probably, you know, the 30, 35th and 36th players on our list at the moment. So, you know, if there's players that have had good pre-seasons and, and have shown good form through the pre-season, then it's understandable if, if they get more of a go in the pre-season games themselves. So, what are they going to need to do to be considered for an AFL game? Just perform. So, what, what would... Look, what would... Uh, as Porsche says on the on the uh, on the chat, uh, Tumpus and Archie are both already very lucky to be on the list, and you probably got to say that's pretty much true. Archie didn't have a very good year last year. Um, he's probably pretty lucky that he got another contract. Tumpus was exceptionally disappointing, uh, and again, he's probably coming in as just about the last player on our senior list. You would you would think so? Yeah, 
it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those two players, but at this point in time, I think they're up against it to stay on the list for next year. So should they pretty much both of them be full-time magpie midfielders? And well, really, really, And really they should be dominating at the SANFL level? Well, we know Archie does already, so it's really up to Tumpus to step up and, and show why he was such a high draft pick and show why we chased him once he came out of contract at Melbourne as well. So um, it's really up to him to, to really perform this year because you know his spot on the list is on the line. Do you reckon really Archie dominated at SANFL level? Well, he does. He gets his 25 touches every week. I, he's a very good SANFL player. He just hasn't been able to bring that to the AFL level as yet, but um, he is a very consistent player at, at reserves level. Mm. Interesting. What do they need to do, Porsche? Thanks for tuning in. I've missed you. If you uh, let me know, Macca really hasn't answered the question. So uh, he's doing the typical cowardice Macca sitting on the fence, trying to be the nice guy that everybody loves. I, I told you real... what they need to do. They need to work harder and they need to play well. Ugh. If they don't do either of those things, then see you later. Sorry, Ken. I want, I want some hard-hitting stuff here, Macca. I want to hear... Well, what's your opinion? Get... Well, Tell me I your opinion. They... What, what does Archie need to do to stay on the list next year? I reckon he needs to average 30 disposals a game and a couple of goals a game because he's that sort of dynamic player. And I think Jimmy Tumpus needs to be getting in the mid-30s. Okay. Yeah, I think he, you know, I mean, it was he was a number three pick in the uh, in the AFL system, which generally goes on, and he hasn't really been riddled with horrendous injuries. So well, he has. Yeah. That's has why it? he's really strong. has he been has he been riddled with horrendous injuries? Horrendous injuries. He hasn't done a knee. He hasn't done a knee, but he's had big structural problems with his body which is why he hasn't delivered on his potential so far. What structural problems has he had? Oh, he's had huge hip injuries and leg injuries, and that's why he's lost a lot of his pace. And that's, that's the reason why he was um, such a high draft pick way back when, was because he looked so good as a wingman, um, could just burn off anybody and kick goals. But he's shown absolutely zero of that so far at AFL level for both Melbourne and for Port Adelaide, and he's shown none of that at the Magpies as well. Why did we keep him? Well, because we gave him, a three, we gave him a three-year contract when he came across. That's why. God, what did we give him a three-year contract for? Well, don't know. Why did we probably... keep him a five-year contract? Yeah. As, <laughs> as Porsche says, Archie needs to show he's more than a fancy handball and, and do it under genuine attention as well. I do love Brendan's handball, though. It's a good handball, but he showed none of it last year and he didn't really show much else, so... Look, well, we, we all love, well, we we all a... love uh, Arch on this podcast, and he's been been on here before. He's a great guy and uh, and all that. But, um, yeah, hopefully he can perform well this year and uh, show why why we've kept him for so long. Do we have a pretty formidable um, SANFL side, do you think? I do think we so. have a bit of Do we I have a bit so. of SANFL depth with uh, Matty Loby down there as well? With Loby down there, if we stay fit, guys like Matty White and Atley and, um, you know, Todd Marshall up there and... Uh, you know, if Eddie struggles at AFL level, you know he's he's the best SANFL goal kicker there is. Um, I think certainly we've got uh, the depth and the quality in that team to make finals and probably go pretty deep. Here's a um, here's another one: Is Maddie Loby going to affect the uh, development 
of uh, Billy Frampton, who's probably got more potential than Matt Lobey on our list at this point in time? Uh, potentially. I think potentially. Look, we've got Laddams, we've got Frampton, and we've got Lobey that we're going to have to fit um, into that SNFL team. Uh, we know Frampton can play up forward, so he's likely, likely to go there. I think we'll see Laddams and Lobey sort of uh, switch in the ruck, I would expect. But don't you think um, Frampton's future is more in a, as a uh, ruckman than a forward? No. No? No. No? No, I don't think so. I think he's, if he's going to make it, it's going to be as a forward as opposed to... He's going to be a forward ruck as opposed to a ruck forward. And what about... Uh, what are you hoping to see from Todd Marshall? Uh, just to see him build his body throughout the year and show some of the reason why we picked him so early. Like He's a great goal yeah. kicker. Uh, he's got great pace. He's a really good contested mark. Um, I want to see him play some pretty good games this year, but I also realise that um, he's probably going to struggle at stages this year as well. So, um, yeah. It's going to be but are you, happy, are you happy to... Because I'm actually happy about this, but are you happy without... Finally, some sensible rookie player management where we're not actually trying to rush him, his development, and expose him too early and are actually trying to develop a potential key forward rather than bust him and break him too early, which we do have a habit of doing sometimes. Yeah. Look, I think um, I'm, I'm really happy we kept Snelling. I'm really happy um, he's at the club still. I think he's got a big future as well. Uh, well, I think we've drafted pretty well the last few years and we've certainly made some good decisions with that sort of back end um, of our list. It's probably some, some of the more uh, sort of mid-range guys that we could have moved on, I guess, you could say, in terms of age. Um, but I do like what we've done um, in the last couple of years. Awesome. Yep. On that note, mate, I reckon we, uh, we cut it off there. Uh, do we? I reckon. Was there, how was the chat action? Uh, a bit quiet tonight, but, uh, you know, it is the first game for the season, so there we go. Is this the song you're talking about? That's the one, mate. Crackling Rosie, get into it. Yeah, I know this song. Yeah, that's good. It is a good song. It is a good song. I forgot song. about this song. We can fade out to Crackling Rosie for you, Macca. How wonderful. On that note... <laughs> Can the pair. Go to power. Have a good night, everybody. Gray was brave. Running hard. Moore getting forward. One last chance. Boat brilliant. Wines. Monfrey's centering ball. Cassisi. You know who again. It is his birthday. Kid's a freak.